want to wish all the fathers again a happy Father's Day. There's no better place to be in the house of God. Amen. I mean, we are all children of God and God is our father. And uh, so today, uh, my message is entitled Fear God. And uh, as children of God, we, when we become born again, we are children of God. And we have one Father, which is God. And as we take a look today that we honor our fathers, which we should do every day, we should always honor our fathers every day, not just one day of the year. Uh, we also, most importantly, have to honor God. And when we get born again, our priorities shift, and Christ has to be the center of everything we say and do. And God knows what's best for us. We'd like to think that we know what's best for us, but God knows better. And... Um, <clears throat> It's very important that we honor our Father, God. It's very important. Because that's what separates us from the lost and dying world. And last week I touched on, not, uh, touched on being not lukewarm. And that's very important because lukewarmness is not obedience to God. Fearing God and respecting and reverencing Him as He deserves and, and, and doing what He tells us, that's obedience. And we ought to be light. We ought to be salt in this, in this dark world. Amen? Uh, so if you guys have your Bibles, turn with me to Ecclesiastes. Uh, that's where I'm going to be starting to, uh, this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And it's going to be in verse 13. And uh, if you know anything about Ecclesiastes, I like to, I tend to think of Ecclesiastes as Solomon's repentance book, because we know that Solomon had like, I think it was like 600 wives. He had a lot of wives, and his wives turned his heart away from God. And he was he was wise. I mean, he was not I mean, he was a very 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 wise king. But even in his wisdom he fell. But at the towards the end of his life, Solomon realized and made a realization. This is and this is what he realized. Here in verse 13 it says, "Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So when you read Ecclesiastes, you see all these things, all these things that he, he experienced and all these things that he went through. Solomon said it's all vanity. But he said, in conclusion, the whole duty of man and, and the reason why we're here is two things, is to fear God and to keep his commandments. Now, what does it mean to fear God? Well, fear, fearing God is not the kind of fear that, oh, I'm like a fear of snakes or clowns or certain animals. You know, it's not that kind of fear. To have the fear of the Lord is to be is to love Him, is to obey Him. It's a reverential fear. 
You reverence him. You worship him by by not just by song, but by word by word and deed. So it's a healthy fear. It's a fear that we ought to have rather than the fear of man. The Bible says that the fear of man bringeth a snare. You know, we're not here to please man. We're here to please God. And the only way to please God is by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. So, as we are as believers, we are children of God. We are to honor God. He is our Father. We need to honor God as we honor our Father, our fathers. Honoring our fathers is important, but what's even more important is honoring God. If you dishonor your parents, you're dishonoring God. So those two connect or intermingle. You can't separate one without the other. When you take a look at the Ten Commandments, um, obviously we are not under the law. We cannot keep the law. But if you take a look at like the first half of the commandments, they deal with loving the Lord your God. But then you take a look at the second half, you take a look and it's, it's, it's loving others as yourself. It's about loving and, and honoring others. Now, and, and Jesus said that he basically gave two commandments. He said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And to love one another, you know, and to love one another. He said, these two hang all the law and the prophets. So you see that Jesus is right in what he said. Because all Jesus did was he took the Ten Commandments and condensed them into two. So therefore, all the law and the prophets hang on those two. It's loving God and loving others. Now, and um, I want to bring us to the attention of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-4. through 4. It says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. That's selfishness. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. Here's a big one. Disobedient to parents. We see that a lot in our days. You know, a lot of times you hear these people that when they get pulled over by a police officer, you get you get these times where they're just completely disrespectful to them. They think that the law doesn't apply to them. They're disrespectful to law enforcement. I just throwing it out there. I'm willing to bet if they're just like that with their parents, it would be better for parents. It would be better to to and, and I think a lot of times too the reason why children are disrespectful to their parents is because the parents are not appropriately punishing them for for their wrongdoings because if parents don't do that in the child's mind they're going to think that they can get away with anything and when they start to grow up and thinking that they and they have that mentality of oh I could just do whatever I want and get away with it they're going to be disrespectful not just to their parents, but they're going to be disrespectful to any given authority. Police officers, fighter fighters, you, you name it. They're not going to have respect for them. And we see in this nation that there is a 
a large disrespect of law enforcement in our nation. If that's not the case, why are they they trying to push this whole nonsense of defunding the police? They don't like them. They want them out so they can replace it with tyrants. There's no respect. It seems like there's very rare – respect to parents is like a very rare thing these days it seems like. So parents ought to do what is right according to the word of God. Amen? And when you do that which is right in the sight of God, when raising up kids, you'll have kids that will respect you and honor you as they should. Amen? Now it says, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. We're seeing and we're in a time right now that people are loving their sin more than they love God. You know why? Because there's no fear of God anymore. There's no respect towards God. There's no honor or reverence towards God. You see... When when God when, when God sees his child disobedient, he's gonna chasten him. That because he's a good father into doing that. He's going God's and when you do something wrong, God's gonna let you know. He's gonna convict you, he's gonna chasten you. Why? He's going to make you sorry for what you did so that you might repent. Out of a godly repentance. That's how he gets the sin out of you sin out of you is by chastening you. So chastisement's a good thing. But nowadays, you know, if you 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 go out and you you say that I spank my kids, woo, boy, they just like look at you like you're like a child abuser. It's not popular anymore. What was once a good thing, people have looked at that as, oh, that's just a bad, terrible thing. Unfortunately, that's the days that we live in. But we do have a blessed hope that is coming. And by that, we know that us getting out of here is soon. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, it says, Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. In Deuteronomy 6, 13, it says, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shall swear by his name. See, we do things, we do good works for God. Number one, we don't do it to be saved. We do it because we are saved. But secondly, we do good works for God because we love him. And we love him because we see how much he loved us. So to fear God is to recognize God's love for you, that you might love him for what he did for you. And when you love God, you want to do everything you can to please Him. And you want to do things that makes Him happy. And what does that entail? That entails to be separated from sin, which is holiness. God said, be holy as I am holy. And what that is, is simply living a life separated from sin. Will we sin? Yes, 
but then we have to repent and move forward. But we also have to live a sanctified life because you can't be in the world and acting like the world and claiming the name of Christ and yet be obedient to God. It doesn't work that way. It's either one or the other. As I mentioned last week, you know, hot or cold. Christ won't have lukewarmness because what I mentioned last week is Jesus takes lukewarmness seriously. So you're either going to be hot or cold. You can't have it both. Um, <clears throat> In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 2, it says, That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 6, it says, Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. In Deuteronomy, and I'll tell you what, there's a lot of verses in Deuteronomy about fearing God and keeping his commandments. A lot of verses. Which should tell you where God's heart is at. He wants his children to be obedient. Of course, we can't keep the law. We're not under the law. We keep, there's no way we can keep it. You can try, but your flesh will not let you. Why? Because your flesh wants to do whatever God says not to do. So whatever God says not to do, your flesh wants to do. That's why Paul says we must crucify the flesh. And when you walk in the Spirit, you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen? And to crucify your flesh is to tell your flesh, no, we're not doing that. Jesus said that the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. So apart from Christ, if you're not born again, you can't, you can't overcome sin without Christ. You have to have Christ in your life. You have to be born again, filled with the spirit, in order to, to overcome sin. Why? Because Christ overcame at the cross. And if he lives within you, by his power, you can overcome whatever obstacles that you're facing. But it has to be done through Christ and by Christ. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So it is essential that Christ must be the center of all of our lives as believers. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 20, it says, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou cleave and swear by his name. You know, it's interesting the word cleave is mentioned there because Jesus, as pertaining to marriage, he said, for this reason a man will leave his father and his mother and will cleave to his wife and the twain should become one flesh. Well, Christ, when we get born again, Christ is the bridegroom. We, are the, we as the church are his bride. And one of these days we're going to be united with him. Christ died on the cross so that you may be free from, from, from that bondage of sin and marry him. Amen. Christ is our bridegroom. Christ is not just our father and our friend, but he is also the, the husbandman. He is the head of the church. And the wife 
submits to his authority. This is proper marriage, is the wife submits. Now, the head is not a dictatorship, it's a headship. And there's a difference. A dictatorship has no love. A headship has love. Why? Because as per husbands, they are to to give their lives to their wives just as Christ gave his life for the church. So where there's headship, there's love. When there's dictatorship, there's not. And in Joshua 24, 14, it says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. In Job chapter 1, verse 1, it says, There was a man in the land of Uts whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God. Now, Job wasn't perfect. We know that. But perfect meaning mature. He was one that was mature and not immature. But you notice that he was one that feared God and to eschew it it evil. Means that Job had such a love for God that he, he had such a love and faith for God that he just despised wickedness. He despised and hated sin. Now in Psalm 111, verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now I know we all probably can use wisdom. And the Bible specifically tells us is that if you want wisdom, fear God. Be obedient to God. Honor Him. Reverence Him. The fear of the Lord is, is what? Is the beginning of wisdom. It's not the end of wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. If you lack wisdom, you ask. And when you ask, God will give it to you. But He won't give it to you for the wrong reasons. He'll give it to you for the right reasons. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding of have all they to do his commandments. His praise endures forever. And then in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, we see the same thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Well, except it's not wisdom, it's knowledge. So if you want wisdom and knowledge, the beginning of that is the fear of the Lord, is to fear him and keep his commandments. And it says here, it says, But fools despise wisdom, and instruction. Now, isn't that something? You got all these people today that claim to be wise, and really, a lot of them are really wise in their own eyes. But God says in His Word that the world's wisdom is foolishness to Him. You won't get wisdom by the world because there is no wisdom there. But when you fear God and serve and love Him. You gain knowledge and wisdom. Something we, we, we all can really can't get enough of. We get knowledge and wisdom from this book. Everything from Genesis to Revelation and everything in between. If you want to know something, all of life's answers is in here. We just have to search for it. That's why it's important to study your Bibles on a daily basis. 
Why? Because we grow from that. Our faith grows. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Bread, a man shall not live by bread alone, but shall live out of every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God is everything right here. This is what we live on. In Psalm 112, verse 1, it says, Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Be not wise in thine, in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So we see here, we're not to be wise in our own eyes as the world does, but we're to fear the Lord and depart from evil. When you fear the Lord, you'll say, no, I'm not going to have any of that sin. Now, does that mean that we'll live sinless perfection? No, we will never be sinless till we go home. We will still have our struggles. But when you become a new man in Christ, a new person in Christ, your desires switch. You won't have a desire for sin anymore. You'll have a new desire to serve and love God. In um, Proverbs 8.13, this is a big one, but it can be a big pill for a lot of people to swallow. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. You know, a loving and good God does hate. He does. When I say hate, means he hates sin. God won't have it. God is a clean and pure God. God, there are things that God hates. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. That's what God is saying. Pride, arrogance, and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. But when you fear the Lord, you'll hate those too. And sin is a good thing to hate. Because what sin does is bring death. And the only thing death will lead you is to a devil's hell if you're not born again. See, that, that's the importance of getting born again. Because when you get born again and get regenerated and become a new man, filled with the, the Holy Ghost, when you have new desires, you won't desire to sin. You will sin, but you won't have that desire. You'll hate your sin. As a believer, you will hate your sin. And you'll hate your flesh. You'll hate your sin nature. And you'll be like, Lord, come quickly. Take me out. But we still have to be here because there's a purpose. See, we, we are here for such a time as this. So we have a purpose. God is not done with us yet. When God is done, he'll call us home. And when we go home, we'll know that he's finished with us and it's time to go home. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 14, verse 27. It says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Proverbs 16, 6. By mercy... And truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. See, you know, when you become born again, and when you're saved, 
and regenerated. And when you love God, you fear him, you want to do what pleases him. You'll say, no, I don't want that sin. I don't want to do that anymore. See, it's not about an outward change. It's about an inward change. We can fix all the outwards we want. Can comb our hair, you know, and those are good things. But cleaning the outside is not going to make the inside clean. It's getting the inside clean that's going to make the outside clean. Because Christ looks at the heart. And when you become born again, that's where he resides. He resides in your heart. And he'll change you because Christ has that power to do so. So therefore, you see that that's why the lost and dying world need Christ. Because they need to be separated and set apart unto God's service. It's not, it's not, God's, will, it's not God's will for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God does not take God does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. He doesn't. He wished that they would have gotten saved. And unfortunately, many people are walking on that broad path to destruction. Very few people are able to find that narrow path and walk it. We can't live one foot in the world and one foot in sin. It's either you love God or you just or you hate him. And unfortunately, a lot of people, a lot of people in our nation and across the world, they're they're haters of God. But that should reach and touch our hearts and motivate it to go to them and preach the gospel. Because that's what they need. Even the, you know, I like what Brother Paul said this morning is that you can be the most vilest person and yet still get saved. And we see a lot of vileness in our nation. But they still can get saved. They can still accept Christ and be renewed and changed. The question is, will they choose that? Lord knows, we don't know. We don't. But God desires to see a change in people's lives and not to stay the same. Jesus didn't come to say to seek and to save, but he came to save you from what? Your sins. That's a biggie. When you get saved from your sins, there's no reason to abide in sin. But we are to abide in Christ when we become born again. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Having therefore those promises dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, the next couple of verses is uh, I'm going to read here is actually a very good promise as to what we will receive when we fear God. And when we love him and do what pleases him. In 2 Kings chapter 17 verse 39 it says, But the Lord your God ye shall fear, and he shall deliver you out of the hand of all your enemies. See, when you fear God, God will deliver you from your enemies. He may allow them to come and, 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 and you know, say and do things that are not needful. 
But God will use that to the working of his plan. All things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But God promises that he will that he will deliver you out of the hand of your enemies. In Psalm 34, 7, it says, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Now, with that, I'm going to close with Daniel 3. Daniel chapter 3. Probably not going to read all of it, but I do want to read a good chunk of it. Um, Because Daniel chapter 3 is a very good picture and illustration of what we just read with those two verses. About fearing God and being delivered from the hand of the enemy. And uh, so if you want to turn there, Daniel chapter 3, if you'd like to. um, Daniel chapter 3, it says... Nebuchadnezzar, the king. Okay, he's the king of Babylon. So the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and a breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. The Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent to, get, uh, to, to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the province to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together onto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud to you, It is commanded, O you, O people, Nations and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sack, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a fiery, burning fiery furnace. Therefore, at that time when the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, heart, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. Think about that. They all are falling down. What's going to take place in the last days? A great falling away. This image is a represent is a picture and type of the Antichrist. And all these languages and nations and people that are falling down are those who didn't know Christ. Which is why we need to get the gospel out. Because there's coming a time where God's going to say, enough's enough, no more chances. This is the chance that we have. Amen? Now, um, And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace... There are certain Jews 
uh, whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Now, if you want to see a picture of fear in God, that's it right there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had such a love for God and had such reverence for his, for his commandments. They said, we're not, we're not bowing down to that thing. And they were the only three ones that stood standing up and everyone else fell down. Something similar is going to happen. And the question is, are you going to be one of those that will stand and not fall? Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if ye will, if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same into the midst of a fire of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. I just lost my place. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Now remember what we just read, that if you fear God, God will deliver you out of the hand of your enemies. And we'll, we're going to about to see this with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Again, we see, they said, yeah, we're, we're not going to worship that thing. Our God can deliver us, but if he don't, we're still not worshiping that thing. That's courage. Amen, that's courage. We ought to have that, especially... The day is coming. But that courage can be given only by God and God alone. And you see that they, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had such a zeal for God. They said, if God don't deliver us, we're still not bowing down and not worshiping that thing. It'd be better for us to die and go to paradise. Because as a believer, death is only just the beginning. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and form of his and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was that it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats. 
and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and uh, and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's funny. So you have all these men that were trying to throw them in there, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't get hurt. It was the men that was holding them that got hurt. So you see, that's one part of what of God delivering them for, from their enemies. Now as we continue on. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. They didn't get hurt, but it says they fell down. They weren't burnt up. They weren't scarred or anything. They just, they were without hurt. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did we, did not we cast three bound into the midst of the fire? They said, they, they answered and said unto the king, True, O king. This is the good part. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loosed. Walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. That's Jesus Christ. Christ was in the fiery, the fiery, the burning fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God delivered him. Because of the fear that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had for God. And because they feared him so much that they were willing to die for their faith, God delivered them. And God is no respect of persons. If he did it for them, how much will he do it for you? All you have to do is to fear him and to love him. Why? Because he is our father. We need to honor him. As we honor our fathers... We also need to honor God the Father. Amen.